This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Monday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set against the Seattle Mariners, sweeping them four games to nothing. A Red Sox sweep, first of the year, and a four-gamer, no less. They are still currently fourth place in the American League East, 10 games back behind the New York Yankees. However, just three games out of the last wildcard spot. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Back from his COVID-19 leave, looking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, flexing in front of the camera or maybe stretching, Charlie Smith. It is good to be, it is good to be alive. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, let me tell you, it's been, COVID was was a wild experience. Uh, I got sent home uh, from work and I said, literally, there's no way I have COVID. Like, absolutely not. I took a test when I got home, was good to go. Then I took a test a, a day later, and I felt like a little scratch in my throat, and I was like, "Nah, this is, that's can't be anything." And uh, the day after that, it got worse. And then uh, I took another test on Friday and double pink barred twice. And I said, "Holy crap! I can't. This isn't happening." And I said, "I feel fine. I feel all right." And then going in Friday night, I had like feverish, te- uh, feverish symptoms. Had the the chills and whatnot for a couple of days, but still wasn't testing positive. And then all of a sudden, bang. And then my whole body shut down for like a week. Uh, slept so much, didn't catch as much baseball as I would have liked. But um, I'm just much happier that I can, you know, chat with both of you gents um, and actually sound like a human being because my voice was completely gone. I couldn't talk. It was bad. So happy to be back. And um, 
Charlie FaceTimed me on the, I, I think it was the first bad night. Charlie looked I like, FaceTimed you? Yeah, you did. Yeah. I don't even remember. And you looked like crap. And I wanted to screenshot and mess with you a little bit, but I was like, eh, no, I'm not going to do that. That's <laughs> how, so to be completely transparent, I don't even remember talking to you on the phone. Yeah. I was so bad. I was in and out of sleep. If I was up to go to the bathroom or have some food, that was an exhausting uh like activity to eat food it was insane like there were some nights where i would just eat some chips and i would go to bed and i'd wake up it would be you know 9 9:30 p.m. and i would wake up and it would be 11 in the morning which is insane to sleep that much but i i literally couldn't do anything else i'm just happy the red Sox won i'm feeling really good you know and i just got to get my uh you know get my weight back cuz i lost some weight <laughs> yeah yeah that's funny i you looked so bad. You were so pale, and I, you were kind of, you were pretty out of it. And in my family, if anybody's ever in the hospital, you're getting roasted. You're going to be laying in your hospital bed, and you are getting roasted. And that's how savage we are. My brother uh, is kind of a kind of a douchebag and rips people off for money here and there. And apparently, one time he 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 took a. He took a tire iron to the face, ended up in the hospital. My parents sent me in there to check on him. I go into the, I walk right into his room and the nurse says, who are you? And I'm like, oh, I said, I'm, I'm his brother. And I took one look at him, see his whole face messed up. And I'm like, usually we look a lot more alike. <laughs> Even, yeah, he was laughing, but yeah. So I wasn't going to give you the Cushman family treatment, Charlie, but. We do have a third host tonight uh, joining us from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, Job Goddard. Well, I'm glad I don't look like Charlie. Thank <laughs> God for that. Uh, I'm also glad that uh, I haven't been on the show in 10 days and uh, we're eight and two. So maybe I shouldn't be on any more shows. On You're, the fired. You're fired. You're yeah. fired. <laughs> I mean, I missed a whole week. Like Terry, I, I texted Terry. I was like, uh, I'm, I'm out. And I, I think, uh, God, I want to say it was like two or three days notice, Terry. I don't recall what day I messaged you, but I was like, it's not, it's not happening. I, I don't have a voice. Like I'm out. And I just texted the group. Um, brutal experience. I know you and Andrew switched one show. And then we had a pinch hitter. Uh, was his name Matt Mark? Mark Rollins, yeah, who did a Mark, phenomenal yeah. job. And yeah, he, I like I liked him on he, the show. He did a good job. He might be a you know solid bench guy going forward. Yeah, that was interesting because it was a totally different crew last Sunday. <laughs> Just two Andrew swapping in and Job. You're filling in this week, is that right? I am indeed. I'll be on the midweek show. Okay. Um, covering the Chicago White Sox series. Andrew mm-hmm. was nice enough to uh, allow me to go to my sister's graduation. And not have to worry about getting back for a, a broadcast for a game I wasn't going to be able to see. Yeah. So um, that was fantastic of them, and, and they did a great job. I was able to catch that episode right before getting on the air here with you gentlemen. So I'm I'm fresh and ready to compliment Andrew's takes, uh, which is rare. Um, as, as many of our listeners know, rarely do Andrew and I agree on a lot, especially when the Red Sox are losing. But uh, we're eight and two in our last ten, guys. Let's let's keep it up. Uh, Terry, the standings look pretty good right now, so I'm a very happy man. It feels like, I mean, we've won what six out of eight, seven out of nine, and we're yeah, we're eight and we're eight and two in our last ten. Okay, so eight out of ten, and we're still ten games back. It just feels like we should be a little closer than that. But the Yankees, uh, up until today at least, in the doubleheader, 
just don't lose. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll have to reel them in. I don't really care about the the deficit between us and first. I want to get above five hundred. <laughs> Let's focus on that and get you know maybe a few games above five hundred, and then you know then I'll start looking. I'll start scoreboard watching again, and and all that is is how I'm looking at it. But Job, last time on the show, you wanted Bloom fired. <laughs> It was working. Something I said worked because uh, he looked fired up today. I don't know how much of the game you two caught today. I saw uh, we most of it. on Sunday, but he was fired up with the Franchi Cordero Grand Slam uh, to walk it off. Uh, they cut straight to Hein Bloom. I still, I still am not happy with Hein Bloom. I still think we need a couple of bullpen arms short. I'm sure we'll talk about one of the arms that I think is coming as we get into the show a little bit. Um, but he made one move that's going to make me a very happy man going forward, and uh, that's sending down Brazier and uh, getting the ace back on this staff in Michael Walker. It's going to be the first to five wins. You heard it here second. Uh, I said it to, I said it about uh, six weeks ago on a show with Charlie, and I got laughed at. So I'm just going to keep those receipts. And um, it doesn't get much better than that, right? You, you send down Ryan Brazier, you get back Michael Walker you got some more healthy pieces coming. And uh, all of a sudden, your free agent signing second baseman is the best hitter on planet Earth. It'll, it'll make you look good for a couple of weeks for sure. So I'm still not happy with Hein Bloom, but right now everything's coming up Red Sox, so I'll let things go. All right. Four-game sweep. Uh, I mean, what a week. You know, you beat the Astros two out of three sweep the Mariners and we got a couple of, uh, well, the white Sox. that's not a cupcake series, but you know, if you can somehow by hook or by crook win two, you got a five game set against the Orioles because of a double header. So first five game set that I'm aware of. And then you got the Cincinnati reds after that. So definitely could be uh, above 500. Uh, if not by, the Sunday show next week, uh, perhaps uh, the midweek show after that. So, all right, let's get into, there's tons to get into this series, and it's all uh, mostly positive stuff. Game one, Rich Hill on the mound. Hill not did not look good, only lasted a couple innings, but man, the Trevor Story explosion. Grand slam, seven ribbies on the night, three home runs overall. I mean, he's arrived, and and he continued to have a good series after that. So, so can we can we dump the Carl Crawford comparisons now? Finally, <laughs> well, the three of us weren't really the ones making those comparisons, right? No, nor was our show. I want I want to point out a couple of things. One is that Trevor Story is the one guy that a lot of fans have been dumping on and hating on his performance. That our show both midweek and weekend shows have continued to say he's coming because we know how talented he is. We were able to watch him in cores uh, and watch him with the Rockies for years. He's got serious talent. And right now everything is coming up. Trevor story. I mean, he is smoking the ball and pulling the ball to left, hitting the ball straight away to center. And he's running the bases like he's 26. And I, I love it. It's, 
a jolt this offense needs. And especially when you, you have some injuries, there are guys that are not playing right now because of less of back issues in Verdugo um, and JD Martinez. Those are two really big bats. And all of a sudden, you know, Trevor story is the best hitter on the planet. It, it smooths over a lot of things. He is feeling himself right now. And he has said the right thing to the media every single time he's spoken to them since not speaking to the media after going 0 for 4 with three strikeouts a couple of weeks back. Charlie. I, I, uh, you know, I wish I, I'm trying to find the darn tweet I had where someone said, oh, Trevor's story is, is a bust. We never should have gotten him. This isn't working. And I said, give him the second, third week of May. By June, he's going to find his stride. I guarantee it. Just, you need to give this kid a, a chance. You need to do that. Jesus Christ, we've been giving chances to players last year who definitely didn't deserve it. We let people go who never deserved to be let go. But we gave Bobby Dahlbeck more than an inch. He took a mile. He still hasn't figured out. He needs to go. Franchi Cordero last year couldn't figure it out. He needed to go. Finally this year, we're starting to see a little bit of what we're supposed to see from Franchi. But there's a whole boatload of players that have been given a boatload of leash Michael Chavis was one that didn't get a real shot, and he's blossoming in Pittsburgh. It will calm down a little bit, but he's still eons better than Bobby Dahlbeck. And Trevor Story, I mean, this week, Trevor Story justified why the Red Sox gave him the contract that, he did, that, that they did. And what, you know, I'm going to be talking about Trevor Story later on um, before the series conversation is over about my hot take on this. And there's going to be some people that think, no, Charlie, no, you're on it, you're on it. Uh, you lost me right there. But you know what? Numbers don't lie. And what Trevor Story was able to do, Trevor Story won the first two games of the series. Two two-homer games, uh, or two two-homers in the first one. Then he has a three-run homer, uh, and then hits a grand slam the next day. Hits another one in the last day of the series. I mean, he just, he can do no wrong right now. He's the hottest hitter in baseball, and it's not even close. He's averaging a three RBIs a game. He's on fire. So I'm super pumped that he's been able to get it get it right. Um, he was due. He was so due. It wasn't even funny. I tweeted on the podcast account that Trevor Story's jersey must be the hottest selling in MLB this week. I, I don't know if there's a way to look at that, but I, I bet there's a, a lot of people uh, buying them at this point. All winter long. I, I'm not going to harp on this much longer, but... Story was my guy. I'm a value guy. I wanted Trevor Story because he wasn't going to cost nearly as much as what Carlos Correa was going to cost. Now, I don't know why he didn't get, you know, upwards of 300 million. He probably will next uh probably will next winter, but uh, and Corey Seager did get a contract north of that. But how stupid do the Texas Rangers feel? They blew all that money on Corey Seager. Red Sox paid less than half, almost a third of what the Rangers paid for Corey Seager. And we got it in Trevor Story. And Trevor Story is raking. That's why I don't sign stupid contracts. Look at what Story is doing in the last couple of weeks compared to, to Mookie Betts. I don't have Mookie's numbers in front of me, but I bet they're they're pretty comparable. You win championships by signing contracts just like this. Just like this. 
I'm and whatever the value signing is next year, that's what I want to do. We should have done it with Devers last winter when you could have had him cheaper. That's a different animal, but but I like what I'm seeing out of Trevor's story. He never looked overwhelmed. He always looked like he was on the verge of breaking out. Even even in that Golden Sombrero series, whichever one that was, and, and the series after that wasn't good. He had 11 strikeouts in two series. Well, in this series, he had... What well, he had runs in every game, 11, 12, 13 runs batted in this whole series. So absolutely insane. And um, I'm a big Trevor Story guy. Can I, can I read you some Trevor Story stats real quick? Go ahead. Okay. So in this season, he's hitting 226, seven home runs, 29 RBIs, five steals. That's good for a 748 OPS. But in his last seven games, this is the deadline Charlie talked about for, for giving him to get his stroke because no spring training. 25 at-bats, 10 runs scored, 9 hits, 6 homers, 14 RBIs, 5 walks, 4 strikeouts, 3 steals. That's good for a 360 average, 452 OBP, and 1120 OPS. 1120. That's a uh, Second in the majors this year to uh, Juan Soto. Go ahead, Charlie. Yeah, so um, Story had two stolen bases. Otherwise, your numbers were absolutely on point. I know this because I faced Trevor Story in fantasy this week and got crucified. It wasn't even close. Um, Trevor Story is on Lori's team, and I know she tweeted about it. Lori had six home runs this week. Trevor Story had all six of her home runs this week. I lost, and I never thought in a million years that one player could will a fantasy win, and he absolutely did. Like, everything that could have gone right for Trevor Story basically did. A couple of stolen bases. I don't even know why we're bringing that up, because he's done more in this week than Xander Bogarts has done all year. Xander has 17 RBIs, and I know people are going to say, that's not the only metric that's important. You know what? Driving in runs wins games, and he's doing it in bunches. And he's hitting no almost 400 with runners in scoring position this season, it's, not just this series. So he's getting it done. It's absolutely insane. Like one of the, the numbers that they were talking about for Trevor Story was Trevor Story raises OPS from 613 to 746 in two days. In two days. And it kept on going up because the following day he had – uh, you know, another, another home run. He's just, he's on fire right now. Like it's just, this man can do no wrong. Trevor story has done more in Boston just this past week than Xander Bogarts has done all year. And Xander is fighting for a contract. And this is the thing like Terry, you brought this up. Like you really hope that Trevor story has a really, really great year because if he does better than Xander Bogarts, it's going to be kind of hard to say, oh, you know, you didn't really, you didn't really live up to the, to the Trevor Story train. On top of the fact, he's actually playing out of position to help you out. We're, we're helping you again because this is our shortstop. You're pretending to be. And if Xander were to play second and have Trevor Story over to short, I'd be curious to see even how much more damage he would do. Like Trevor, clearly you've earned it to be our shortstop. We're going to flip you and Xander around. Well, I don't advocate for that. 
Please, please don't think I do. I, I do want to say, generally, I feel like I come off a lot with uh, similar takes than Tony Maserati of uh, 98.5 The Sports Hub, who I know a lot of people in Red Sox fandom, they can't stand that he's so negative. One of his takes that I have that I, I feel a little bit like like Charlie and I are the opposite of this. He was saying the other day, not on the, the show, not on the broadcast, but in one of his daily shows, that he kind of hopes that Trevor Story craters, has a terrible season, and the Red Sox are okay, so that they're forced to pay Xander Bogarts. I want Trevor Story to do this. Like, can we get this for six years? Like, absolutely stunning production from Trevor Story. This was the best four-game stretch that we've had. And I'm going to say this without a doubt in my mind since August of last season. Like, yes, we went to the ALCS. Yes, we played good baseball in uh, in October to get deep into a series against the eventual ALCS champs. But we didn't really look dominant for a four-game stretch at any point after September the way we looked tonight. I mean, we were competitive in all four of these games. They were come from behind with victories in all of these games. And we capped it off with a, a great victory, a walk-off grand slam by a guy who hits 220 and who last year was an automatic strikeout. Everything this week came up Red Sox. I love it. Terry, I know you want to talk about this game by game. So... Let's get into it. There, there are some other things in in game one that we should talk about other than Trevor Story. And there's some other things in the rest of the series that we should talk about as well. Was there anything that stuck out to you guys that wasn't Trevor Story in this series? Yeah, well, R- Rich Hill, again, uh, got into a hole. Tanner Hout came in, had his second uh, a straight decent outing four innings pitch only gave up one hit one walk struck out six he hasn't had a high strikeout game in quite a while I want to talk about him in a little bit so we'll we'll come back to him John Schreiber uh had multiple that's my closer that's your closer he was in the first three games and still has not given up a run yet and this sample size is growing it's not just a cute story anymore it's like John Schreiber. He, actually, he did give up. He did give up one run did he? Uh, in this series. I believe it was game three. Um, I'm not showing an earned run, but I believe it was inherited from first base. Oh, gotcha. So or, it, or an... it might have been an error, but he did give up an earned run, um, unearned, in this series. That being said, John Schreiber, that's closer material right there. <laughs> Read those numbers again, Terry. Um, well. I I still I'm I was trying to look up the um I've got it, I've got it here actually. Um he's pitched in 10 games now. 10 and a third innings. 11 strikeouts, a 0.48 whip and no earned runs allowed. Right. One unearned run allowed. Right. Okay. Yeah, so I want to see him a little bit more in high leverage. Uh, Hansel Robles today. Uh, I'm just, I'm starting to have trust issues. 
I, I mean, it's he's been on a bit of a slide here, and um, it, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit when we get to game four. But but Schreiber just continues to shine, and I want I I want to see him over Deekman as well. I just the guy's been impressive, and he he came out of nowhere. He, he's a great story. You can't say enough good things about what John Schreiber is doing. He's eating innings. He's pitching whenever Cora wants him to and as much as Cora wants him to. And he's dominant. He doesn't have one dominant pitch either. It's a lot of deception, which I know it means they want to choose their matchups. They're not going to give him the eighth inning every night. But it has been a fantastic storyline for this Boston Red Sox team. The, the underdog, really. They're embracing the underdog role. And uh, I know that's upsetting to some of us who expect them to be a juggernaut every season. But maybe getting off to a bad start lit a fire under some guys. Um, and I like John Schreiber taking on a bigger role. Uh, like I said, he's a lot higher on my trust tree than than anyone. Uh, game two, Michael Walker returned a little, little bit rusty, wasn't super sharp, four and two-thirds innings. Gave up four hits, two earned runs, walked three, struck out three, but uh, a very uh, workman-like uh, effort. Trevor Story, second Grand Slam of the series, um, kind of put the uh, Red Sox up four to nothing. And um, at, at that, that time, team was tied at one point. They came back. Seattle came back and tied at four to four. Um, but getting a lead like that, feeling in control of a game, that's the first time I felt that this this season. What a what a great start. Yeah. Charlie, thoughts on Michael Walker? Uh, I know Job is really pumped about him. He really, really jumped on the Michael Walker train. Um, we're still seeing like a major like influx of pitchers that are having career years what do i mean by that martin perez is relevant do i need to say anything else like martin perez threw a, a shutout uh, well, hold on sure you gotta that... add some context he shut out the oh. astros he always dominates the astros okay hold on just a second michael waka isn't the only pitcher that's having a career year like his era is is four for his career it's under one eight right now his whip is usually one three plus. It's hovering just over one. So while, like, I'm still not drinking the sauce on Michael Waka. Waka's got three wins so far in the year. I know that Joe really thinks he's going to get five. He's going to be the first one to five. Still don't think it's going to happen. I don't. I think he'll get five wins, but I don't think he'll be the first one. Um, I would have loved to have seen him pitch <laughs> to one more batter because. He, he would have gotten it, you know, like this, this was, this was potentially it, you know, one more batter and you're looking at four and oh, and then, yeah, maybe I am drinking this, the, the Kool-Aid and the punch uh, on Michael Waka, but um, no one was really talking about like, I mean, we, we've been talking about a couple of pitchers so far. I know Joe has been riding the Schreiber train for a little bit too. Like Terry, I need to see high leverage opportunities pop up for him. Um, I don't have confidence in Robles anymore. Uh, I, I don't know what his issue is. It's just he's completely fallen apart. And before 
I make myself sound like a fool, like anybody else who thinks that Matt Barnes is back. Matt Barnes had one good game. One. That's it. One game. And people were saying, oh, the, the pitch is back. No, it's not. Let's 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 not let's not do that because it, it sounds silly. Matt Barnes just got his second save on the year. If I'm not mistaken, he ties for the team lead at two. And we are almost in June. We still do not have a closer. There's still no deadlocked guy in the ninth. We still don't know who's pitching the eighth. Could Schreiber close out games? Sure. Should Garrett Whitlock be in the bullpen again? Yes. I'll say it again. Should Garrett Whitlock be in the bullpen again? Yes. yes, he should. And I was super pumped to see Tanner Howe come out in game one because when Hill kind of lost it, Howe came out through four innings, six strikeouts, allowed one hit, and was on it. He was well, absolutely on it. I want to point something out to you, Charlie. Tanner okay. Houck apparently has been spending time with Matt Strom and Jake Diekman. And Diekman has taught him a new grip for the slider that apparently has added some, some serious extra sweep over the last two weeks to his slider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he credits that with his increase in strikeouts. I don't care what he's doing. If he's going to give them credit, that's fine. As long as you can keep that level of consistency up. Because we, if I'm not mistaken, we only saw him pitch uh, just the one game. I don't think he pitched again after that. He definitely didn't pitch today. He did not. He, he was yeah, burned he, he after He didn't that. pitch the last two. So that was it. They burned him in, in game one, and that's fine. He will likely um, pitch again tomorrow. Yeah, that or, was uh, a, next day. That was a four-inning uh, uh, appearance for Hauk in the first game. And right. Garrett Whitlock had by far the worst outing of his uh, season so far in game three uh, only lasted three innings, gave up five earned runs on 10 hits, uh, only struck out three and he's been Mr. Strikeout machine. So here's, here's my question. Before we ruin Whitlock, is it time to face the fact that yes, Tanner Houck is not vaccinated. Yes, we're going to have complications when we have to go to Toronto in late June and and beyond that and and starting to fantasize about a postseason again, not going to lie. But should Tanner Houck go back into the rotation, uh, you know, where he we has started to figure it out, the the runs aren't being given up anymore, the strikeouts are back up. I would do it. And then and then with Whitlock in the pen, you got a lot less problems to figure out. And and that's one less ninth inning that Matt Barnes might not be pitching. Charlie, go ahead. What is the best thing for the Red Sox? Job and Terry right now. Putting Garrett Whitlock back in the bullpen and putting Tanner Houck back in the rotation, yes or no? My vote is yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's, okay, thank you. That is the end of the conversation. I don't even care about his vaccination status. I'm so tired of talking about that because that to me is a cop out. You throwing, throwing a loss on one player is soft. It's soft. There are 25, 26, 28 guys, depending on the time of year. Yes. Does it, does it hurt us? Does it make us not as good? Sure. Is it the reason why we're going to lose a game? Absolutely not. We weren't hitting when we went to Toronto. Toronto's one of the best teams in, in, in the division, even though their record may not show that. They're still 
better than the Red Sox right now. While this has been a fantastic week, and and we won four in a row against Seattle, remove Trevor Story from that picture. You've won maybe one game. So um, I'm not going to go ahead and say that this is the reason why, you know, we're struggling. Hauk needs to go back in that to that rotation. Garrett Whitlock needs to be pulled out of it. Thank you, Garrett, for doing everything you did. I appreciate you putting the team on your back and doing everything you've been asked to do. But your role is in the bullpen, not in the rotation. I get worried about an inverted Daniel Bard every time Whitlock goes out there. Like Daniel Bard is has found himself again in Colorado. It took five years. Daniel Bard was the most electric eighth-inning pitcher the Red Sox had in the entire system. He was going to be the next Papelbon. He was going to come in and shut the door with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball from a funky arm angle. And then Ben Sherrington decided he was more important as a tribe as a starter and broke him. Garrett Whitlock has shown he can be the most dominant pitcher in the American League East for three innings a night. Why would you remove him from that comfort zone? It's not like you're losing, you don't have enough pitchers. We have enough guys. Tanner Houck can go in the rotation. If Tanner Houck were to go down or, you know, I understand Michael Walker was hurt with the flexor strain and you need a guy for a spot start, I understand it. That's why he's stretched out to three innings, four innings. He should not be facing guys every fifth day. In fact, I want fewer looks at Garrett Whitlock for every single player in the American League East. Because when he comes in in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, I don't want them to see him multiple times before that. So he can shut the door every time. I don't know necessarily that Tanner Houck needs to be in the rotation. I feel like there's other guys that could do that. I really want to see Connor Siebold with the big club. I think Winkowski is going to make a start in this Baltimore series upcoming. I want to see that. I want to see some of these young guys that are in the system that we've been talking about for two years now. Winkowski, remember, was the guy that we got back for Andrew Benatendi. Like Cordero was the trade chip that we got in addition to Winkowski, who was the big prospect in that package. I want to see them. I want to see the young guys come up. One of those guys can start. Imagine if we have Whitlock and Hauk both pitching behind guys. And then every game is shortened by three innings. Ideal. Ideal situation. We really need one of these big starters to come back. When Chris Sale comes back, I want both Hauk and Whitlock in the bullpen. Well, if it's going to be one or the other for now, because Sale just resumed throwing, I, I haven't seen a recent update on James Paxton, but he's weeks away, not days away. There's just He's a, with the big league club, Terry. As of today, he's with the big league club. He hasn't had a rehab start. Paxton? Oh, he's still weeks away. You're, you're absolutely yeah, right. Okay. A little bit gotcha. of tidbit of news. He's he's hanging out in Boston, beginning his rehab in Boston rather than in Florida. Oh, so gotcha. We're gotcha. getting a little bit of news. Uh, going back to Hauk and uh, Whitlock, though, there's just a, a confidence that Hauk carries himself with. Like, if he's in pressure, I feel like he's more likely to get out of the jam right now 
than Garrett Whitlock. Whitlock struggles to find the answers when things aren't going well and he's nibbling and and I think the league has had more looks at him. And uh, excuse me, did not mean to burp live on the air, but um, I just feel like there's enough data on Whitlock right now and teams have had looks. So this is kind of a result of that. And, and Whitlock's going to have to kind of make adjustments to their adjustments and, and, and try to find a way to keep them off balance. How c- I just, I love the confidence the kid has and I'm not ready to say that, that he is not a starting pitcher and that he, he's, got a better makeup as a reliever. I'm just not ready to go there yet. I want Tanner Houck back in the rotation. Job, go ahead. You know, I want both of your opinions on this. Mostly I want to hear what Charlie has to say on this issue. I think the reason for what you're saying, Terry, about how Whitlock seems to nibble a little bit when he's getting into trouble recently is because he's trying to be too cute. He knows they want him to go three times through the order. So instead of just attacking guys with his electric first and second pitches, he's going to the third trick in the book, the third pitch that he has. And he's not as confident in it. And guys are are getting hits off him because he's trying to be too cute. Whereas when he only has to face a guy once, he can empty the bag of tricks. He doesn't have to save something to show him in the fifth, sixth inning. He can use it all in that one inning that he's pitching or that second inning because he's not going to see the same guy again. And I think that makes a huge difference. Go ahead, Charlie. Um, it's it's an interesting take. Um, so you think because of the situation now, he's going to favor what pitch? Well, I think right now he's using his secondary stuff more than his fastball right. just right. because he wants to keep hitters off balance for more than one at-bat. When he's facing a guy for one at-bat, we've seen – He'll just attack with the fastball and get you right, out right. with the slider changeup. That's interesting. That's something to keep an, keep an eye out for moving forward. That's an interesting take. I like it. Um, that is now something that I'm going to pay more attention to. So you know, I will it, stay... it is what a lot of pitchers, they say starting pitchers need a third pitch, right? Of well, course. You need instead three. Of, instead of attacking hitters with your one-two punch of electric fastball changeup with the occasional slider that's wipeout. Mm-hmm. He's now nibbling because he doesn't want to use the slider as his out pitch so that he can use it in the second time facing that guy right. without giving him you know, that point of view. And so guys are sitting on the changeup, and they're hitting it, and it makes him look vulnerable. Right. Game three, uh, despite the, the Whitlock uh, stumbles, the, the bullpen did kind of gather it up and did not allow an earned run uh, once once Whitlock left the game. So good on them. If I, That was the, the complete game that I missed. I saw nothing of uh, game three of the series. But if I, was, if I was home and I saw Barnes coming out in the ninth, I would have lost my bleeping you-know-what. Well, I did. I lost my mind. I just can't believe Alex Cora is putting him in high leverage. But let's not uh, forget the fact Devers absolutely raked in game three, was three for four, hit a couple of dingers. He's he's a different guy this year. Striking out 
striking out less than 2021. I don't think he's going to win the MVP, but I think he's going to be top five, maybe top three. This is uh, this is a different Rafi Devers, and that contract he's going to sign goes up higher and higher with every ball that goes over the fence. And there's going to be a lot of right. going over the fence. He's got six already. Uh, he might have seven, actually. I don't know if he hit one today. I wasn't paying too close. Are you talking about Devers? Yes. Devers has nine on the year. Nine. Okay, so I missed yeah, a couple. Yeah, I wasn't even counting this year. You're fine. Missed no, no, you're fine. He's going to have Trevor 35 Story, home runs. I mean, Trevor Story was fifth on the team, and now he's second by himself. You know? Like, he's up to seven bombs and 20, 29 RBIs. Someone will have to double-check me on that. Um, I'm pretty sure he's at 729 split. He's still hitting under 230. I don't believe that's wrong. Um, he's not. He's 229. De- thank you. I'll, thank you. I appreciate it. So Devers is absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. But here's the thing. When people were panicking on Twitter, Garrett Whitlock got cracked for five runs and three innings of work, and he just was not looking great. I didn't panic. I was like, we won two games already. Even if we split, this is a big win against Seattle. Seattle's a team that has always done really, really well against us. The first game you saw Trevor Story basically put the team on the on his back. The second game, repeat, rinse and repeat, where he did the same thing again, where he hit a grand slam. We're down 5-0 going into the bottom of the third. I wasn't even stressed. I was like, we're probably going to make it. We'll, we'll get one or two runs before the fifth or sixth. Hopefully, we can keep them at bay and keep them at five. Guess what? We did. And then we scored four in the bottom uh, bottom half of the fifth inning, I think was game three, because um, that's when Devers, Devers went yard, uh, and that made it a two-run game. Was it Dahlbeck who had a single? I think Dahlbeck had a hit in that one, too. He did, yeah. Um, and, then, and then who does work again? Trevor Story hits a sack fly, and now we're tied 5-5. And the fifth inning isn't over yet. We are right back in this game. It is 0-0 going into the sixth. I am not looking at this as a negative. We look at that. To... What's up? Look at that. You've changed so much in <laughs> six days. You know, I just, we all have. Really you just you just need to get COVID and then you see shits. Uh, excuse me, see stuff a little bit more, you know, clearly. Uh, a little bit more clear. And and that's the thing. Like even in the messages today, guys, you guys saw my messages. I'm like, guys, if we lose today, we still took three out of four. This is a win. You know, people I, I don't know who it was that was saying I blame quarter, I blame this, that, and the other. Oh, that was me. That was me. We, we won three out of four for the series. And then Franchi said, no, hold my beer. <laughs> and we swept Seattle. So I'm not going in with the mindset of, oh, crap, you know, like this didn't go right. This didn't go right. Because crap, we've been doing that, you know, for a couple of weeks now, over a month. And things weren't looking good. And there was a proper reason for doing so. Yes, there were a couple of players that really put the entire team on their, their whole back. It's not even – we're not even going to have a discussion on it because that's exactly what happened. Perception is reality, and that was reality. So um, I think we're going to keep we're going to keep riding the high. I think this series coming up is going to be interesting. But, I mean, even if we don't do great in that series, the two series after that, we're probably playing 750 baseball. Wow. So I feel really good about it. I definitely want to keep the pedal to the metal. And I, I would have been a little sour after the game because Robles gave it up. I mean, we were that close. With two strikes in the ninth inning. With two outs, two strikes. Yeah. I mean, that, 
at really under my skin. Brutal. Three out of four games Ugh. is is a win in the series. Th- three so out, three of, out of four. Three out of four games is actually just a net game of two. So it, it's a big swing. So it's either f- you, you either sweep them and you're, it's a net gain of four or you lose that one and it's a net game of two because three wins but minus of- one loss. Sorry. I, I, go ahead. I, I just going to say, like, but a net of two is eons better than where we were a week ago. <sighs> we, were, we weren't even here. Oh, we my God. Charlie's here. on the Carabas Kool-Aid. <laughs> I'm not even on the Carabas Kool-Aid. But, guys, listen. We, were, we weren't even a team that deserved to be talked about. Like, this wasn't a team that even deserved, had any merit. Everything was wrong. Everything was bad. And now things are starting to look up. I'm I'm gonna ride the high right now. I refuse to be. I've been. I was negative for an entire week in bed, being miserable, hating everything, literally hating everyone and everything. I just am so happy to be talking about the fact that we won four in a row. If uh, we awesome. won five in a row against Seattle, we won four in a row. Like I'm I'm happy. We we're eight and two in our last ten, if I'm not mistaken. We are. We are eight and two in our last ten, and and climbing fast. We're we're down to ten games behind the Yankees for the division. I know Terry thinks it's early to be scoreboard watching. He'd be right about that. But I also, about game three, just for a second. How much fun is it to watch a game, Charlie, and go down 4 nothing and not feel like you're out of it? Like, I haven't felt like that in so long. I haven't baseball. felt like that since 2004 World Series where we're down <laughs> 0-3, and I'm like, you know what? Let's just, let's just have fun. Just win one. Just, just win, win one. one. And then, you know, tomorrow, so-and-so is going out there and, you know, don't don't worry about game three. Game three, they get this part. That was my mentality because what's worse than the bottom of the barrel? Well, we were already there. You're not wrong. I uh, I fully have to own up to my, my takes on an episode two weeks ago where I declared the season basically dead and said it's time to trade Xander Bogarts. It's not time to trade Xander Bogarts. I need to stop panicking so quickly. And um, instead, it's start looking for an addition. If we can win a couple more series here, if we can play 750 baseball over the next two series, we could be all of a sudden three games over 500. And then start looking for an addition for the bullpen. And that's the next big step. But holy good God, can we talk about how good Jackie Bradley Jr. has been at Fenway this year? No. I hate giving Jackie Bradley credit. I but, oh don't want to talk about Jackie Bradley. Hang on real quick. I, I just want to point this out. Bradley did have a good series. Job's right. I just, oh, God, I hate that name. Uh, anyway, jo- Josh Donaldson hates the name Jackie, apparently, too. Um, so <laughs> we, we're not going to touch that one. Uh, but the the cool thing about the first three games here is the starting pitching had been so good coming into the series and the offense had been so bad. And in those first three games, the, the starting pitching, not so good. The offense finally comes through and, and basically wins the day Hill. Like I said, just two innings Waka wasn't super sharp. And of course, Whitlock. So you had some, you definitely had some big contributions in the lineup. Christian Vasquez is was a hero this series with uh, some some timely hits, especially today uh, in the in the late uh, extra innings 
It, that only went 10. Yeah, so that just went one extra innings. First extra innings win of the season. But that was also game four, the one pitching performance that was stellar because in his last one, Nathan Avaldi got absolutely slapped around, only lasted, what, one and two-thirds innings, something like that. Comes out today, six and two-thirds innings, four hits, uh, only two earned runs, which was a cheap home run. Um, or was that the... I might be oh, it was it was it was a, a Fenway home run, but I don't know if it was cheap is the, the right word. That was the pesky pole one. Yeah, that the pesky pole. Yes, one, yeah. exactly. I Fenway thought, home run. Yeah, uh, we, I actually thought Jackie could have caught that ball. Well, I don't know. It was a. It, it, it hit off the wall and right. If it hits off the wall, that's six feet high, not even six feet high. Jackie should catch it. I I'm thought just, it was a couple rows in, but I wasn't looking too closely. But, um, but. Uh, anyway, 11 strikeouts, a career-high 11 strikeouts for Nathan Avaldi. That was good to see because he got thumped so bad <laughs> against the Astros, a team that he typically uh, is fairly solid against. So love to see that uh, from Nathan Avaldi. And, of course, Franchi, Grand Slam. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know how many times we hated on Franchi last year. I want to say it was. How many shows we do? Under 20? Yeah. How many shows we do? It was was every show. There was, there was, all right. So what was it? I think it was what, three years ago, the the player that I hated more than anybody was Matt Hall. Right? I think it was three years ago. Was that 2019? 2019 was the Matt Hall year that I couldn't stand Matt Hall. No, 2020. 2020 was. Uh, That's right. I'm sorry. Thank you. (laughs) 2020 was the Matt Hall year where every single time you even heard the name Matt, your eyes would like kind of twitch and get like all messed up. That was the Matt Hall year. 2021 was Garrett Richards. And I was done. I was done. He was my, what was the line I had? Matt Hall was my dud every week. Garrett Richards was my dud for the year. Like just (laughs) awful. He was that, I I think that was what it was. I'm not hundred percent sure. And I will be the first I, – I won't be the first one because I don't think I'm the only one that as soon as Franchi Cordero's name got uttered as a potential candidate to come up to Boston, there were a couple of uh, groans of, damn it, he's coming back. But he's been really hitting the ball hard, like hard, hard. And um, he had a couple of them that got absolutely smoked. And the home run, I don't believe, was the hardest hit ball today and this is something that Andrew brought up because I I didn't have the numbers in front so we'll credit Andrew with this one he's he's smoking balls he's smoking shots and he's just barely missing so this one was just perfect because if we had a gun to our head and somebody said okay Franchi Cordero game-winning grand slam does he have it in him not one of us would have said yes not one. Now people are going to be looking at him a little bit differently because this isn't like the, oh, shot in the, you know, flash in the pan, finally hit a home run. This is someone who, if he can continue to keep that, that angle and that, that, that launch, Cordero could be exactly what we expected Bobby Dahlbeck to do. Or maybe he could do something a little bit less than what we thought Dahlbeck was going to do of 30 home runs. Because Dahlbeck, as far as I'm concerned, 
you could put a fork in him. He's done. So at this point, you can package him up with whatever you want. If a team is absolutely desperate, maybe they'll take a flyer on him. Otherwise, this might be the end of Bobby D, at least in Boston. It's just not going to happen. Um, and the only thing that could potentially save Bobby Dahlbeck is the memory of Andrew Benintendi because we gave up on him too soon, and now he's a singles and doubles machine in KC. If Bobby Dahlbeck can change the way that he does everything, then maybe something happens. Maybe something changes. But right now, I mean, live in the moment. Be happy that things went well because if if Franchi Cordero is going to be getting pitches like that, they're all going to be gone. Well, he has what I like to call red seat power. It's insane. He is a football player. He plays baseball. Right? He, he is a tight end. Play for the New England Patriots next week. And instead, he hits baseballs 500 feet. I actually, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was watching that game. It was with my cousin. He went down 0-2. I reached out to take the remote, turn the, turn the game off, knowing that he was about to strike out, and I wasn't going to watch the 11th inning because I was disgusted with the managing to not pinch hit for Bobby Dahlbeck in the bottom of the ninth with literally anyone. And um, I thought it was over. Franchi Cordero just gave us a a big moment, and then he hit us with a the energy is changing in in his post game press conference, which is a, a Jackie Bradley Jr. thing to say, but it's also it's a quote from Jalen Brown who, who said it for the Celtics in in January. And now they're in the playoffs. So maybe this Red Sox team, who, uh, by the way, is all wearing Celtics jerseys on their trip to Chicago. They're, they're decked out in full Celtics uniform, shooting sleeves and all. Uh, photos tweeted by um, some of the beat reporters. They're kind of channeling some of that dog energy, and I, I like it. I'm ready for it. I want this team to succeed so bad. In fact, I want everyone on this team to succeed, except I'm done with Bobby Dahlbeck. Bobby Dahlbeck needs to go. He can, him and Heim can get on the same bus together to uh, double A Portland. So I was the one allegedly per Job that was drinking the Caraba sauce, whatever. And now it sounds like you're, you're starting to sound a little, um, a little positive. It's actually kind of disgusting. As long as there's no Bobby Dahlbeck in the lineup, I I can be positive, but I'm upset with Cora for the way he managed that game. I thought, he should have pinch hit for Bobby in, in the bottom of the ninth. This is a really I also important thought oh. Ploiecki or Vasquez in the bottom of the tenth. I know it worked out. Whoever it was going to be, I thought they should have bunted. It didn't. Obviously, it worked out. I, I, I'm going to nitpick because that's who I am. And until okay. this team has a legitimate closer, I think they have Matt Strom. Until they start using Matt Strom as the legitimate closer, the bullpen's not strong enough. Are you going to begin – looking at job applications on your Twitter handle again. Have we you gone back to that point? I think we're pretty close. If we're, we're pretty if we close? Can, if we can get a, a four of five from Baltimore, not this series, but the next, and don't get swept by Chicago, I will take job applications. That is my gauge, Terry, by the way. I'm curious to know where Job is with that because that was the, the telltale sign of Job just completely just titanicking. It, that, that was it. You know, like just it's it's over. The world is, is over. Baseball is dead. And I'm not doing job applications. At least now we're entertaining it. 
You got to stay balanced in a long season. And uh, I, I certainly didn't think we would have a resurgence like this, um, certainly in the month of May, but we have. Real quick, though, here's my Dahlbeck take. I, I might have given part of it uh, on the the midweek show last week, but but if he's giving you nothing at the major league level, which he is, and Jonathan Arauz could be called up, probably give you a little bit more than nothing. At least put Dahlbeck down in AAA to try to get him right. Just try to get him right. It's not doing him any good going up to the plate and doing nothing but failing. And I love... I love what we're seeing out of Franchi, and I love the fact he's not a strikeout machine like he used to be, but I don't know if he's ever going to be facing lefties on a regular basis. So I can't sit here and say that Franchi should be our everyday first baseman or taking time away from, from Jackie Bradley necessarily in right field. But I, Franchi, I, I, we don't know what he is, but, I think the less Dahlbeck, the better, and uh, get him down in AAA. Maybe, maybe he boosts his trade value a little bit by doing that, and and he can come up and and be somewhat serviceable in the second half. I don't think it'll happen. In fact, I don't want it to happen because we know he'll rake at AAA. He loves to hit fastballs that are ninety-two miles an hour or lower. So he'll absolutely dominate at the AAA level once again. And then he'll get another chance with the Red Sox, strike out another hundred times before we finally give up on him. I'm all done with that. I, give I'd him the at bats. Just ride the bench for somebody else. Hit the waiver wire. Uh, get the hell off my team. He's the guy that I think really not needs doing to go any play, good though. Just, the guy who needs to go triple uh, right. A is Christian Arroyo. He's really, really struggling. It's an under the radar situation developing with the Red Sox. He's hitting 186. I know he had a home run in this series. It was a big home run, in fact. Um, but he's really struggling. And if he doesn't get it going, maybe he needs more regular playing time. I'm not sure what it is. But he could really benefit, I think, from seeing pitches every day. So maybe AAA might be a good stop for him for a couple of days. I don't know what the long-term solution is for Bobby Dahlbeck. Unfortunately, I think, again, like I mentioned, the only thing that's keeping him in Boston right now, or as a member of the Red Sox, is the is the aura and the fact that we gave up on Andrew Benintendi, and Benintendi lit up the next year. Um, the only good thing that came out of that was, you know, for the lack of a better term, was Franchi Cordero coming and and doing what he's doing so far, at least in this it, just this year. Because last year, I was not happy. I was not happy. I didn't think that. We, we got enough of a return as far as that was concerned. But granted, we gave up on Benintendi. So the fact that we got anything, great. We were done with him. Um, I, I don't know what to do with Dahlbeck. At this point, it's just, it's really frustrating. It really is. Every single time he comes to the dish, yes, Job, I know that you wanted to, to pinch hit for him and, and whatnot. But were we really thinking that we were going to win this game. Did we think that we were going to actually win it if we had pinch it for Bobby D? I think it was more along the lines of Alex Cora is trying not to completely shatter this kid's mind. Like his, uh, you shatter his confidence even more than it already is if you take him out. 
like, okay, cool. Yep, Bobby, we're taking you out because we know you can't do it. That's the message that he would have sent. He's hitting 150. He's got that message. My message delivered. You know what, though? Last year, how many opportunities did Franchi Cordero get? How many opportunities did he get? A lot. And then there was another number after a lot. And then there was Franchi Cordero. That's how many opportunities he got. And I think Alex Cora right now is trying to remain consistent. Why are certain people getting certain shots, other people not getting any more? I think he's trying to stay consistent. You know what? Franchi Cordero got as many as he did. He got sent down. And so far, he's adequate, for lack of a better term. Like, he's starting to make things work. My hope, my thought process is that that's what he's trying to do again this time with Bobby. Shot in the dark. I have no idea. Just... He's giving us nothing, and he's, he's not, not going to find it. He's not it. a defensive upgrade either. I mean, Franchi's playing okay at first base. Give me anybody. Give me anybody in Pawtucket. I'll take. I'll take Jonathan Arauz until until Tristan Casas is ready. I we're not getting it from Dahlbeck, and I just I I don't want the automatic outs. It's just what's Arauz right now? How's he doing in AAA? Do we have his numbers? Let me look it up. Yeah, I, I don't have it either. Give me Jaron Duran. I'm looking up Aru's right now because I'm I'm actually curious because I don't. I've I don't think he's doing well. Basically, got it right here. <laughs> All right, Triple A. Here we go. He's ten for forty-seven with three doubles, no home runs, no RBIs. He's hitting two thirteen. 60 points ahead of Dahlbeck. Sign me up. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. If that's your justification, just to get a better bat on it, then okay. Because Bobby Dahlbeck right now is hitting, what is it, 147? Uh, 160, I think. But Okay. Yeah. He's got one home run on the year, if I'm not mistaken. Just one. Yeah. Against the Yankees. It was a big one. Yeah, that one. was the game that everyone's like, oh, Bobby Dahlbeck won the game for the Red Sox. It was a big one. He did. But it was one game. All right, guys, let's uh, let's just get into the uh, series thing. We're we're already at the one hour mark, so the okay. series preview with um, the Chicago White Sox. That's a three game set starting on Tuesday. So Monday tonight, uh, an off night. We got a kind of a fun matchup on Tuesday. Nick Pavetta, who's had a few good starts in a row, including the last one, which was a complete game. Uh, versus Dylan Cease, who was kind of a popular uh, Cy Young pick. Uh, Charlie, how do you have that one going? You're on mute. (laughs) So Cease was my guy before the year started. Um, I thought Cease was actually going to win the Cy Young. Uh, He was my pick. I still am very, very confident in him. He's got an ERA that's just over three. I think this is probably the the game where I'd love to say Pavetta, but Pavetta's also due at this point to give up five or six runs in a game. Chicago is also a very formidable opponent. And the Yankees kind of did something really good for them because now they're done facing Chicago. But they completely upset one of the leaders on that team. We don't have to talk about why, because I really don't want to waste my time talking about it. I think what Donaldson did was really stupid, 
but you woke up the bear. You poked the bear. You upset this team. They're already not in first place. Um, this is a game that th- this is actually just a series that we're going to have to worry about it. They're four games out of first place. Minnesota is somehow in first. I don't understand it, but it is what it is. I'm going Dylan Cease because I think he's one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. So I'm all, Chicago I'm also in game going one. Dylan Cease. He's too good. He's a, uh, he's he's a stud. Too, he's an absolute stud. It's unfortunate that we're going to run into the buzzsaw that is Dylan Cease in game one because I still think this is a winnable series, but I'd, I'd really like a win streak to keep going. I just don't think that we have it against Dylan Cease. His go-to pitch is a fastball, upper 90s, with a slider that disappears on you. I mean, he's got one of the best sliders for a starting pitcher in the game from the right side. And I think he might strike out 10, maybe more. It's going to be it's going to be a good series. I'm not excited to watch that game though. I think that's going to be wake up time, return to reality for for Red Sox fans after a really big high. Well, Cease has uh an average of nine strikeouts in his last three games. Coming off a five and two-thirds innings uh, appearance against the Royals. Gave up seven hits. Uh, no earned runs in that one. However, five days before that against the Yankees. Only lasted four innings. Gave up six earned. Still struck out 11, but still got slapped around a little bit. And then... Uh, Three starts ago was actually against the Red Sox, went five innings, gave up four hits, walked three, struck out eight, uh, one earned run, actually. I skipped that one. So this will be the second recent look that the Red Sox have had against Cease. And I'm going to I'm going to be the optimist here. I'm going to I'm going to ride the hot hand. The Red Sox have some momentum, not that the White Sox don't, especially after a doubleheader sweep today against the Yankees. But I think I think the Red Sox are firing on all cylinders and I like what I've seen out of Pavetta. So put me down for the um Boston Red Sox in game one. Game two, Rich Hill versus Lucas Giolito. Giolito uh has had some injuries uh on the season, but he's two and one with a two eight four ERA. Rich Hill no momentum whatsoever. Hasn't looked great. Um, well, at least in his last time out. So, uh, Charlie, how do you have game two? Well, really quickly, I appreciate the fact that you're going to ride the hot hand and say that the, the Red Sox are going to take one uh, game one against Chicago. I, I, I Chicago winning game two. And even though I don't have the Red Sox winning this series, I'm still on the high hot streak because – this is a much better opponent than any of the opponents we faced. I think that Houston, people are still really high on them. I think Houston is way overplaying right now. I think they're garbage. I do. Not, I didn't pick them this year for the show. I didn't think they were going to win the AL West. My team was the Angels, and they were in first for a while. I still think they'll f- figure it out and get back in there. Unfortunately, though, you have Lucas Giolito, who's a Cy Young contender, against Rich Hill, who can't pitch five innings. So, you know, I mean, has he done it? Yes. But can Giolito pitch five innings? Yes, every appearance. So look for Giolito to go probably six-plus against the Red Sox and with an arsenal of players behind him, I say Chicago wins game two as well. Joe? 
Well, I actually think the Red Sox have a good shot at, at game two. I think Rich Hill is much better than people give him credit for. Um, he's been given the early hook by Alex Cora a couple of times when I thought he really had it working, including uh, a perfect game through five in Baltimore against the Orioles and, and getting the hook there. I just think that if Tanner Houck is working and that's the piggyback they're going to go with, it's it's possible we win that game. Now, one quick stat to mention. This White Sox team over the last two years, they have a lot of the same hitters. They're only getting better. They play about 700 baseball against left-handed pitching. This is not a good matchup for us. Rich Hill to Tanner Houck, and then who? All of our arms are lefties. Maybe maybe Schreiber. Maybe we see Robles again. Um, but it, it's going to be tough, I think, with Rich Hill not having overpowering stuff to, to get a win here unless we see lights out Tanner Houck. I don't have a lot of faith in, in Giolito. His field in, fielding independent pitching has been uh, off the charts. That'll come down at some point. And I also think this Red Sox offense is going to be frustrated by Dylan Cease. I don't think they'll be frustrated by Giolito. I think Giolito's a good matchup for them. I think Rafi Devers goes yard in that game. And I think it's going to be a big a big win for the Red Sox to keep us in this. We're going to have a chance to win the game, um, the rubber match in game three. I'm taking the White Sox in game two. I just don't have a ton of confidence against uh... – uh, a ton of confidence with Rich Hill. And I think their bullpen will um, kind of prevent some rallies that we've been uh, kind of getting spoiled by over, over the last week. So I'm going to take the White Sox in game two. Game three, I had to switch over to ESPN because the regular site has that as TBD for Chicago. ESPN has Vince Velasquez starting that game against Michael Waka. Vasquez, uh, Velasquez looked pretty good against us uh, in his uh, recent outing in the previous series and not having a great year, but... Look good against us. We got swept in that series, by the way. So, um, so yes, Charlie, how do you have that one? I got Job's boy win in game three. So I don't, I don't say Chicago's going to sweep us. I think Chicago will take two out of three. Uh, again, like I mentioned, though, I'm not looking at that as a negative uh, because Chicago is a really, really good opponent, uh, and they have multiple Cy Young candidate pitchers in peak form. So um, I don't think Vince Velasquez is going to get to tune us up twice he's done decent and he's a five inning five innings guy um waka waka is is pretty much the same thing on average we're going to get about five innings of work out of him uh i just feel that there's going to be some late inning magic there's going to be one game where there's magic and this is the game where we have the highest probability to do that so i'm going to say that we win game three we still lose the series but we still play really, really well, and it warms us up for what will be a bloodbath of opponents coming up where we're winning a lot. I, I hate this, Charlie, because I'm not taking my boy in the rubber match here. I think 
Vince Velasquez gave us fits in in the first game. He's as Terry points out time and time again. He's the kind of guy who gives us fits. He's like a mediocre to below average starting pitcher. Doesn't have overwhelming stuff, and the Red Sox strike out eight nine times. It's uh, frustrating as hell. Happens every year. It's like the Andrew Heaney's of the world. They they really frustrate us. Vince Velasquez falls into that bag, but. I think it's going to come down to relievers. I think we're going to have to go through a lot of relievers with with Rich Hill going in the in the first game or the second game rather, and um, Liam Hendricks is dominant, and I don't trust our bullpen. I think we might blow this one late, and it's going to be April all over again in this one. We're going to lose this series two games to one. We're going to win the middle game, which is the game that both of you think we're going to lose. But I do think we're going to play well. I think Charlie's right. It's just going to be two very close losses. I'm going to take the Red Sox in game three for a series win, two games to one. Um, I, I think the Red Sox will will kind of go to town on Velasquez this time around with the recent looks at him. And I, I don't think he'll be nearly as effective. The only thing that gives me pause is what kind of baseballs are we going to be using that game? Because if they're of the juiced variety, Michael Walker might give up some dingers being a pitch to contact guy. So um, the change in baseballs kind of makes me nervous with him because he was thriving on the dead baseball. And I think that's, part of the reason why he's had such a great start. So um, we'll, we'll see, but I think the Red Sox have good momentum. I think we can win this series. I hope I'm right. We got swept in the last one, but we will wrap on that. Everybody have a good Monday. Hot take Tuesday will be uh, tomorrow for your AM commute. So, uh, Stay tuned for that. Take care.